Welcome to the Jazz Shapers podcast from Mishkondorea. What you're about to hear was originally broadcast on Jazz FM. However, the music has been cut due to rights issues. This is Jazz Shapers with Elliot Moss on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. Listening Welcome to Jazz Shapers with me, Elliot Moss, bringing the shapers of the business world together with the musicians shaping jazz, soul and blues. My guest today is Venetia Archer, founder and CEO of Ruby, the on-demand beauty services platform. While working long hours as a risk analyst, Venetia found it unnecessarily hard to book beauty salon appointments. As she says, at the time, London was experiencing the emergence of on-demand and it became clear to me the beauty services industry was ripe for change. After a year collaborating with software developers and recruiting expert practitioners, Venetia launched Ruby in 2016. The Beauty Concierge app now connects over a thousand beauty and wellness professionals, offering treatments such as facials, hairstyling, manicures and massages, I'm up for a facial, with consumers across the UK. I'll be talking to Venetia in just a couple of minutes about all of this, about surviving lockdown and the record-breaking months that have followed. Ruby is a lovely name and Venetia's a lovely name. Hello, it's good to have you here. Why Ruby? I'm always intrigued about names. What what does it mean and where did it come from? Absolutely. I think one of the most challenging parts of starting a business was thinking of a name. And I thought of the name Ruby. There was a very long list, but I was thinking of that flash of red, the red soul, the red lip, that little pop of of color and of luxury. And and so Ruby was born. And then R-U-B-Y.com cost a million pounds to buy. So as with many tech companies, we added a U. <laughs> well, that, and the U, the U's obviously saved a lot of money. That was free or f- yeah, 50, that was, 50 that was quid free. or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So saved, saved some up front. I mentioned earlier the inspiration for this came from your own problem that you encountered, which is, hold on a minute, I want one of those. I often say this to people who solve problems. Loads of us encounter problems and most of us don't do anything about them apart from moan. Yeah. Um, where in your DNA was it in the stars that said, you know what, Venetia is going to go and fix this problem. When did you start fixing problems in your own world, do you think, in your own existence as a human? That's a great question. I think that I've always been someone who has ideas for products, for services, and I'm very intrigued by, you know, convenience. And obviously we live in the world of convenience, you know, with Amazon, Deliveroo, Uber, et cetera, et cetera. And I had had this idea, you know, that that the beauty services industry was was ripe for disruption. And I think it came at an interesting point in my life. As you mentioned, I was formerly working in geopolitical risk. I spent time in, in East Africa there. So completely different, you know, professional background. However, I also had this desire to create and build and start my own business. And Ruby was one idea, but I had multiple others. Um, but but then, before then, because I mean, obviously, look, you went, you went and did social and political sciences at Cambridge. You're very educated yes. and all that, and and smart. And again, you get different types of people coming out of Oxford and Cambridge. In any any university, some people go, it's a nice job in a company, and other people go completely left or or mm-hmm. right right field. But when you were little, uh, I read that you came over from Australia when you were very young. You're twelve. Mm-hmm. Uh, you came into the UK. Is there something about landing in a quote-unquote foreign place that means you have to be more thoughtful about the way life goes, more adaptive, because you're just stuff's changing and a 12-year-old's a young age for stuff to happen? Is it something about that? I'm just, I'm just intrigued about wh- where that thread of, of kind of ideas comes from. Absolutely. Well, I think, you know, that was a you know, very pivotal time in my life to move over from Australia to England and 
we all think these countries are quite similar, but actually, in actual fact, oh my gosh, England felt very, very foreign to me, kind of moving in the middle of winter with all these strange children that I had, you know, had to become friends with. So, you know, it was it was, it was a, a key moment. And I think since then, I've always sought to seek adventure in life, do different things. You know, when I moved to Kenya, that was about changing up the landscape, learning more and and testing myself. And I think this just fell in. This was just the next, the next piece of the puzzle um, and the next thing that I wanted to do set up a business, work for myself, be independent and create a product that, you know, changed the way people live their lives in even a very small way. So we're talking about you being an adventure seeker, but you ended up at Cambridge, as I mentioned, Mm -hmm. you did your degree. And then, as as you said, the geopolitical kind of risk piece Mm -hmm. comes afterwards. Those ideas that were percolating, what was the moment when you went, I need to do something about this idea rather than I'm just having good ideas and I... Yeah, because some people, again, are happy having the ideas and going, wouldn't it be fun? But there must have been a pivotal oomph when you went, I'm actually going to do this. Yes. Well, I'd spent time... I was living in Kenya. I was living this really exciting life, chasing stories, researching Somali piracy, which is obviously like a whole whole world away from what I'm doing now. And I felt this freedom... And then I moved back to London and started a different job. And I was, so one, I had the idea because I was sitting in this office all hours of the day, working, working, working. And I, and I thought to myself, I can't, I, I can't do this. I'm not built for this. Like, I can't sit down all day. I need to define my life and I need to define my work as a result. And so I, that's when I started thinking about my various business ideas. And that's, you know, as I was working that job, I was starting to define out what Ruby would look like and how that would work. And I, and I set it up and I, I started the kind of initial process of, of defining out the vision and, and getting things set up, you know, alongside my work. So I was doing a little bit of both at the same time. And then to take that plan, the defining, I love the, the, the phrase you used, defining yeah. my life and defining the business and all that. You took that plan where? How quickly did you take it from paper into some kind of reality? So that took about a year, a year from the moment that I decided this is what I'm going to do to get, a, you know, an MVP up and out into the world. A minimum um, viable product. Most exactly. people will know, but some might not. Exactly. So that was that first version of the app. We built the software behind it, you know, that sort of allowed, we actually worked with salons to begin with, allowed them to kind of manage the availability and the bookings. And then, yeah, one year later, we we, we had it. We had a launch party. The app was um, terrible and people <laughs> couldn't log in, but it was live. <laughs> You'd done it. Yeah. And, and you, money... You yep. got some money together. I think you got a there was a Virgin Virgin startup loan involved in that as well. Yeah. How easy was it for you then? Because the the environment's definitely changed over the last five ten years. How easy was it then to access capital? So I have always sought to build the business in a very lean way, and I think as you mentioned, the environment has definitely evolved. And you know there are a lot of stories in the press about startups raising five, ten million, twenty million very early on. But my journey has been somewhat different. And in the early stages, I yeah got this virgin loan of twenty five thousand, and and that took me quite a long way. You know, as I mentioned, you couldn't log into the app when we first launched, so it was you know small, I didn't spend a small issue, small issue. Yeah. Um, so you know, we didn't spend spend a fortune building it. But then, obviously, subsequently, building a marketplace like this, you know, we've had to raise you know more capital, and so we've been through a couple of funding rounds since initially with angel investors. Um, so I have you know an amazing group of people who believed in me and believed in the idea very early on, and that helped us kind of 
build it out over the next year and make those really important first hires. Um, Can I just ask, what was the pit in the early days when you first got those that first bit of money from the Angels? What was the simplest version of the pitch to them? It was the Uber for beauty, and everyone loved it at the time because there was nothing like it. You know, people were so excited about the way that Uber and delivery were disrupting the world. And so people were excited about it. And I would say, actually, it was probably easier to sell it then than it is now, now that it's become a little bit more normalized. People are, oh, my gosh, this is great. This is this is really exciting. And again, you know, you have those kind of advocates who who believe in you. And they, I'm sure, saw my energy. What I always said was, there is no plan B. And I still live like that. Plan A, Ruby, it has to work. And I think I've always been, you know, quite vociferous about that. Stay with me for much more from my guest, Venetia Archer. She is indeed vociferous and very focused. Mm. You can see it in her eyes over here. She'll be back in a couple of minutes. <laughs> yes, I am, Elliot. I'm very focused. Oh my gosh. <laughs> right now, though, we're going to hear a taster from the Mishcon Academy digital sessions, and they can be found on all the major podcast platforms. Mishcon Dres, Victoria Piggott, and Dr. Rebecca Newton, organizational psychologist and CEO of Coach Advisor, discuss the impact of women in positions of leadership and on boards. The Mishcon Academy Digital Sessions. Conversations on the legal topics affecting businesses and individuals today. Do you think there's anything specific that we can do to prevent the impact that many women find maternity leave has on their career trajectory? Yes, and I think some organisations do this very well. There's the question of, is this about having taken maternity leave or is this a question of having X amount of time out of the business in terms of your momentum. I'd say the pre-work that you do before maternity leave, like planning how things will work when a woman wants to come back to work and how that will work and, and to be strategic about as quickly as possible rebuilding that momentum is important. The other thing that which is important for, for women who are going on maternity leave, but it's also important for people around them to understand is you don't actually know how you're going to feel about coming back to work until you're in that position and until you are deciding when to come back to work and and after you've, you know, had the baby and started maternity leave. So I just encourage organisations to make sure that this isn't just box ticking of the kind of return to work plan and things, but having meaningful conversations with women as individuals, making sure that we are as flexible as possible, clear that we are as supportive as possible, that we're excited to have them back and want to do everything that we can in order to support them as they regain momentum with their work and and their business. And the other reason this is important to do is that increasingly men are taking longer periods of paternity leave as well. So this isn't just a women's issue. This is something for all parents and for other people as well. I think there's things where people want to step out and take periods of time away from their work. And, you know, the more flexible we can be as leaders in an organization, you know, we're more likely to create environments where there is real mutual trust and respect and and you're likely to keep the best people or to have them come back, to have them be successful in the organization. The Mishcon Academy Digital Sessions. To access advice for businesses that is regularly updated, please visit mishcon.com. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. You can enjoy all our former business shapers on the Jazz Shapers podcast. 
Hurrah, he says, just because. And indeed, you can hear this very programme again if you pop Jazz Shapers into your podcast platform of choice. Or if you've got a smart speaker, just ask it to play Jazz Shapers and there you'll be greeted with a taste of our recent shows. But back to today's guest, it's Venetia Archer, founder and CEO of Ruby, the on-demand beauty services platform, the Uber of beauty, as you said. Mm -hmm. How many people said no to you in the beginning? You've talked about those fans and the advocates and they're still there. How many, firstly, and what did it feel like? Oh, I think that's such an important question because it is a hell of a lot. I still have a spreadsheet. So whenever we go through fundraising rounds, you put a spreadsheet together, list all the people. The funnel. The funnel. The fun funnel. Uh, (laughs) Oh, there are hundreds of people on that list. There are hundreds and hundreds of people, and I've had hundreds of people say no. But, you know, what you learn is resilience. You've got to keep going. If you get a big batch of no's, what you need to do is just, you know, what I've learned to do is just go ahead the next day, email out another 20 people. You've just got to keep, keep going. And it's really difficult hearing the no's and and it's still difficult today. But I think particularly so early on in the journey because, you know, each one of those, you know, when people explain like why they think that your business model might not work, I mean, it's sort of, dare I say, it's a bit of a dagger to the heart. But yeah, you build up a thicker skin over time. So the thicker skin over time you build up and then in the and the other thing, you now got the tech and you've got to build yeah. up a team. Those That team that you've built, um, how important is it to the success of the business beyond the charismatic, vociferous leader? Gosh, the vociferous leader. The team has been absolutely crucial to our business success. I think one thing that I've, you know, recognized and I recognize early is that there are elements where I'm where I'm strong, but there are a whole host of other areas where I'm not. And I think one of the learnings is that, you know, hiring people who complement my skill sets, who are better than me, you know, have really helped us to drive the business, drive the business along and, you know, it just moves so much faster and we've got these amazing people, you know, working on a problem. And I'm so lucky and I'm, I'm, I'm so proud of the team that we've built today. And you say better than you, right? But I mean, secretly, Venetia, oh. be on, yeah, secretly, do you go, are they, are they really better? Or is it that they genuinely are, you go, I can't do what they're doing? Oh, absolutely. I can't do what they're doing. You know, whether it's our CTO, Pete, who's got this like incredible knowledge and understanding of building products, um, you know, technical products to our finance team. I mean, I am most certainly not that comfortable in front of a spreadsheet. And, you know, so so it's, it's just it's just diff- different brain types. Um, so, so yeah, you know, I've got huge admiration for, for you know, what people bring bring to the table. But the, the rigor of what you studied, the way that you approach the world, I imagine you're pretty analytical and I imagine that you can express an argument because that's essentially the one of the two of the disciplines within the degree that you did and probably you were attracted to the degree because you were good at those things. How has that fared for you? How useful have those skills been within the business aside from your personality, aside from the vision and the the attitude which is around adventure and not being scared? What about those specific technical skills? Well, I think that they're really important when you're running a business, you know, especially, you know, when I kind of wake up every day, there are all of these opportunities available to us. Is it that we launch in a new market? Is that we launch a new category? You know, do we spend money on on building out this area of the team? So you have to make a lot of decisions. And I think with that, you know, analytical background, absolutely. I think I've probably got to a point where I make the right decision some of the time, you know, and if I don't, I'm able to kind of go back and go back and fix it. So I definitely have a very analytical mind when it comes to the way that I'm building out the business. And I do love that. 
And just thinking about the, the, the juxtaposition between being creative yeah. and being open in the way that you think and that, when you put that alongside the necessity for frameworks for making mm -hmm. decisions, criteria, mm -hmm. profitability, new marketplace mm -hmm. and all that, how do you merge those two things as you go about making all these decisions in the business? I think that it's understanding areas of weakness and in a lot of, you know, what you just mentioned, I need to discuss those with complementary people um, and minds. And that might come from our board or, you know, different members of the team who add that little bit of rigor, add that little bit of structure. Um, so it's something that I definitely, you know, it's definitely kind of a group, a group effort. And also when it comes to the creativity, I think when you are running a business, a lot of the time you can't be creative. You've got to think about team. You've got to think about payroll. You've got to think about strategy, et cetera. But it's about carving time to be creative, whether that's on holiday and just giving your brain a rest or understanding, okay, hold on. I'm feeling a bit, I'm feeling a bit tired this week. I'm a bit over it. I'm just going to just, you know, separate myself a little bit and, and enjoy the fact that I can be creative for, for a period of time. Talking about leadership, we touched on it a little bit, and you talk, we talked about the synthesis between the analysis and the analytical and the, mm -hmm. and the creative and the need for framework, but the need for space. In terms of you keeping your team on their toes, mm -hmm. keeping them feeling like this Venetia's really up for it, this is not a game, this is real, but it's also still fun, and she knows when it's like, it's, it's not life and death, but it's kind of exciting. Yeah. How do you personally ensure that you don't bore the people that work for you? So I think that sometimes it's about understanding when to lead from the front. Like if there is a crisis, COVID, that was a time where I had to lead from the front and kind of define exactly what we were doing and the problems that we were facing and, and, be, that, and be that leader because that's what people needed. And at other times, you know, things are going well, things are smooth, everything is planned. You can kind of lead from behind. So you, so you really empower your team to make decisions and, and shape where the business is going. So I think I always try and have like a little bit of a, you know, just, just like finger on the pulse of where I need to be within the business. And that really helps me as well, because you can't always be leading, you know, from the front because there's, you know, a ton of other stuff to do. But do you consciously do that? I mean, or is it, does it just happen in the sense that, you know, sometimes you can be self-aware enough to go, I'm going to slowly explain this. Now, not quite that dramatic. Yep. Or here I'm going to speed up, I'm going to show the energy. Are you consciously going, okay, this is a behind moment, this is an in front moment? I think probably not consciously. It's something that I reflect on afterwards. And, you know, and again, I learned a lot during COVID and, and that was something I really thought about, about my leadership style. Um, but the other thing that I always say to my team is, you know, we're here to have fun. Like I know there are moments of stress and we are, you know, as, as a kind of scrappy startup, we are always pushing, we're pushing to hit our growth targets. You know, there's, there's definitely, you know, a degree of pressure, but I always say, you know, we've got to be having fun. And sometimes you guys need to remind me if I'm not having fun, you know, because, you know, I might be super stressed out about something. So it's just something that we check in on quite regularly because it is, it's, it's a beauty tech startup you know it's it's fun she says through gritted teeth <laughs> the, the, it's fun it really is the fun bit though when you're juggling motherhood and you're juggling being a partner and yeah. you're juggling setting up a business and running a business and as you say covid whatever people were doing wherever they were at it was an absolute smash it was horrendous you know yeah. it's horrific the change yeah. and the, the the dealing with all that when is it really not fun venetia and what do you how do you manage in those periods for you personally 
Yeah, I mean, listen, you know, you're right. There are times when it really isn't. And and COVID was, was the prime example. You know, for us, we were about to close a very big funding round and then that fell through. Our revenues dropped to zero. And, you know, we had all of the thousands of people that we work with us who, who you know, were unable to work overnight. So there was a lot of, you know, there was a lot of stress. You know, we were running out of money. We didn't know how long this was going to last. Was this 12 months, 24 months? Was it a week? And so that really wasn't, that really wasn't fun. And you know, luckily we managed to get through it and probably made looking back what were the right decisions at the time. You know, but at, at those times, like you learn a lot about yourself and also you learn a lot about the business. So, you know, I've taken a lot of those learnings into the way that I, I run the business now in terms of, you know, making sure we remain lean. We keep our eyes on eyes on the prize, eyes on the goal. So it's really helped me in that sense. But, um, you know, there, there are tough times. And I think, as I'm sure so many of the entrepreneurs have said on the show, you know, it is a roller coaster ride. And what I always say is sometimes the worst day is followed by the best day. In fact, it usually is. So um, it's, it's wild. We'll have our final chat with my guest, Avanisha Archer. And we've got some Brazilian magic for you from Antonio Adolfo. That's in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. I've just got my business shaper here, Venetia Archer, for a few more minutes. We've been talking about all sorts of stuff. So you talked about zero revenue in COVID. Mm. Just for, for, for context now, we are looking at £4 million of revenue last year mm-hmm. with hopefully a target this year that you're going to get to of £7 million. Yeah. Um, and profitability at some point in the not-too-distant future, which for a young business is extraordinary. Does that make you feel good? Or does it just make you think... You know, there's still loads of room. There's still loads of work to do. I'm just interested because success, it's the old Rudyard Kipling thing. You know, if you can treat failure and success with the same feeling, that's not, I'm not paraphrasing here, but have you managed, is it, is it, is it working for you or does it actually make you more worried that now you're on this upward trajectory? Just to sort of touch on that, I'm so proud that the Ruby team has been able to get back up on our feet after COVID and we're delighted that, the market has kind of evolved with us and there is this greater demand for at-home beauty services than we'd ever experienced before. And there are also so many more beauty professionals who want to work with us. So, you know, I definitely have taken time to just sit and enjoy the fact that we are here and we got through it. And I always say, take a moment to look back, you know, look back and, and, and look at the successes because otherwise it really is just too stressful all the time. So, you know, I definitely do a bit of that. And naturally, you know, we're always looking ahead. You know, we're always looking, okay, when you hit this milestone, the goalposts have moved, what's next? But I think that is just part and parcel of being an entrepreneur. And for you, and you don't have to answer this honestly, but it'd be great if you did. You mentioned very early on, I, I've had lots of ideas. You know, that's, that's where I'm, I go with this. My instinct is you're going to do this, but this is not the only thing you're going to do. Yeah. So I guess my question is at what point do you go, okay, that can deal with itself. Now I want to do ideas two and three. I mean, I don't know. I really don't know the answer to that question, very honestly. You know, I, I live and breathe Ruby. I love it. I love seeing the successes that we're having and, and, and see myself working on it for a long time. But that's not to say that I don't have crazy ideas in the middle of the night that I'd love to work on. At some point. But what, and again, once you've, done, you've got the success and the credibility, people will back you. 
yeah. I'm assuming. So it's not impossible to think that at some point, and that doesn't mean a, a full exit either, right? That can yeah. still mean that you're involved. But I'm really, we're just mapping this out. I mean, yeah. I just want to, I'm just thinking, right, Venetia, let's go, let's have a little session here. We can talk yeah. about, you know, I love that, again, the defining the, the life plan. Fine, mm -hmm. I've got ideas two and three for you. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about this later. Um, and in terms of the, again, you've talked about in your own way, you're doing good things. The the values of the business and where you are as a human and what you want to do. And I've read a bit about some of the environmental mm. initiatives that you're up to. How central is that to the mission? Or is it just a, well, listen, we're in business and we should be doing nice things? I think it's central to to the mission. I think what, you know, I, I mentioned community earlier, and that's absolutely key, like community and entrepreneurialism, you know, with our platform, with our software, where allowing and enabling over a thousand women to build up their own businesses utilizing the Ruby technology. So, you know, we see everyone that we work with as a budding beauty entrepreneur and that's what's, you know, really core to our mission. Yes, we do other things where we can. For example, you know, we plant trees. We've plant, planted over 20,000 trees over the past few months to sort of seek to offset our carbon. So, you know, I think it's really important, you know, once you get to a certain stage, you need to think, what can we do? How can we give back? And 250,000 treatments since you opened the doors of the app that eventually worked. Exactly. The app that eventually, eventually worked. Yeah, so 250,000 treatments, which is a pretty pretty amazing milestone. So that's many manicured finger on the street. <laughs> that's a lot of those, yeah. <laughs> Listen, it's been great talking to you. Um, thank you for your time. Good luck. I don't think you need luck. I think you, you know exactly what you're doing. Just before I let you go, what's your song choice and why have you chosen it? So my song is So Duke by Stevie Wonder. I love this song. In fact, it was the soundtrack to one of the most incredible dreams I had years ago that stayed with me forever. And I just think it just reminds me to live life with joy and excitement and adventure. Stevie Wonder there with Sir Duke, the song choice of my business shaper today, Venetia Archer. She talked about being an adventure seeker, critical if you're going to be a founder. She talked about defining her life. She wanted to be in control. She wanted to set out exactly where it went rather than waiting for someone else to do it. She talked about carving time out to be creative, a really important thing in the hurly-burly of running a business when there's so much going on. And finally, she talked about leading from behind, but also leading from in front and understanding when to do one rather than the other. Fantastic stuff. That's it from me and Jazz Shapers. Have a lovely weekend. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. We hope you enjoyed that edition of Jazz Shapers. You'll find hundreds more guests available for you to listen to in our archive. To find out more, just search Jazz Shapers in iTunes or your favourite podcast platform or head over to mishcon.com forward slash jazzshapers.